Welcome to Probably Science on location in Pasadena, California. It's exciting, Andy. At the lovely Sheraton Hotel, just a mere minutes from Caltech and from Jet Propulsion Laboratories, which might be related to the reason that we're out here. Well, this, this is a mystery to solve. I didn't realize that. <laughs> there might be a connection there. Uh, See if you can guess who our guest is by reading the show notes in the description <laughs> right in, in the podcast the that you've just downloaded. It's been a couple of years. I think it was, tw- is it late 2014? No, I think it was, 20, 2015? It was 2015 when the flyby had, just summer 2015. Oh, okay, okay. So we talked maybe a couple of weeks after that. So maybe, was it August-ish, 2015? We, we Skyped, and that was the first time I had talked to you in 16 years. Right. And then last night... I came out to Pasadena. We got a beer. That was the first time I saw you in person in 18 years. Was it? Eight? I thought it was 20. Well, graduation would have been. Uh, no, you're right. 18 yeah. years. 18 yeah, years. Yeah. Almost to the now. Our guest is Deepak Srinivasan. Hello there. Esteemed uh, uh, applied physics laboratory engineer. And uh, or what's your title there? Um, that's that pretty much sums it up. Engineer. Yes. So, yeah. And uh, as we talked to you about on the episode two years ago, you've worked on a number of incredible um, space missions. Including the the uh, New Horizons flyby, yeah, that was the big one at the time because you know we, it was all over the news. That was fantastic. Success. Yeah, so that that had just happened, and Andy was like, "Oh, I went to college with one of the people who made that thing go." Yeah, it's like that's the the, the parallel universe version of what might have happened had I taken my education more seriously. Yeah, nah, you're you're doing fine. <laughs> not at all. We, not need, at we all. need more communicators like you. I don't know about that. Um, and then, I did, so at that point, we caught up, and I didn't realize you'd been doing this kind of stuff for uh, decades, including the, the first mission you worked on was the Mercury Messenger? That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah, it was, a, it was a Discovery class mission from NASA that, that we got, and it was a, the first Mercury orbiter. So that there had been a couple flybys to Mercury in earlier decades, but nobody could figure out how to actually get into orbit around Mercury, because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're as everybody knows, Mercury is closer to the sun than we are, right? So if you want to go to Mercury, you got to go towards the sun. But the sun is big. And, and has a fair gravitational pull. Which will suck you in, unless you're slowing down enough to, for Mercury to capture you into its orbit. So that was the trickiest thing that we had to do to figure out a way of getting the spacecraft to slow down enough to enable us to get into orbit around Mercury. So how, how do you do that? Planetary flybys. So it's it's kind of like you exchange some of your velocity with another planet oh, we so. talked about this I, you last time when you were on the show previously you explained because i i'd never f- understood before you talked us through it how pl- slingshotting works right how they use how it they seems like whatever you gain you should lose again when you fly away from the planet right is the but, part that but, i never got but now, yeah. i do get, get it now thanks yeah to it you. has to do with like yeah it's not you're not flying by a stationary planet you're flying by a planet that's moving so as you're going depending on what side of the planet you approach from you're either going to transfer some of your energy into the planet which means you slow down or you're transferring some or your some of the energy from the planet is transferring to you so you speed up yeah and, I, I think you explained it last time as like like throwing a tennis ball off of a moving bus like into the path of a moving bus and it bounces forward with much more speed that's right and the bus slows down the slows bus down an bit. infinitesimal amount that yeah. obviously yeah. you're not going to notice like when for for new horizons we wanted to get all the way out to pluto which is far and to get there in a decent amount of time we had to fly by jupiter and pick up some velocity so we 
we actually cause Jupiter to slow down an infinitesimal amount. Right. But, so rather than actually bouncing off Jupiter, you orbit it, but it's still the same thing because you're using the gravity of that. Right. I wouldn't, using say, I wouldn't say orbit. We didn't, oh. we didn't go around the planet. We, okay. we kind of flew by it. But it is, like, as it goes, it's picking up a tiny amount of the momentum of Jupiter. That's, right. that's, that's exactly right. So we slow Jupiter down an infinitesimal amount. Do you guys feel any guilt about that? Do you lose sleep? <laughs> no, it, violated it, it, the ju- space ju- edict ju- of ju- leave ju- no trace. Jupiter's, you know, it's, it's big enough. It doesn't care. It's fine. Okay. It's fine with that. So this is, so to get to Mercury, you end up doing the opposite. Rather than slingshotting to speed up, you go past it slow, the I, other way to slow it down. To slow it down. So we actually, it was, it was a crazy route that we had to do to get there. We actually flew by Earth. We launched from Earth, obviously, but then we kind of flew in parallel with Earth all the way around the sun and did a swing by, flyby of Earth, dumped a little bit of our velocity to ourselves, slowing the Earth down, or excuse me, speeding Speeding the Earth up. And then we did two more flybys of Venus and then three more flybys of Mercury before we were able to actually dump enough speed for the next time we, we came to Mercury, which is the fourth time we saw the planet, to actually fire our thrusters and slow down sufficiently to get captured into orbit. What, so, how much time goes by between two flybys of the same planet about? Uh, I'm sure it varies, but... Like- it, it varies. I mean, the, 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 overall, the overall cruise from when we launched to when we got into orbit was on the order of seven years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was one Earth flyby, two Venus flybys, and three Mercury flybys. That's six, six planetary flybys over the course of seven years, so on the order of one a year. Oh, okay. So is that, is that path, that really convoluted path involving three different planets, is that entirely pre-calculated, or is, are you making adjustments constantly as you go along? It's, we're making adjustments constantly, that's true. But, but the main path is the already... The main path is pre-calculated. I mean, there's... You can't... It's, it's not like a sci-fi show when you say, all right, let's go to this planet, and you just, like, go shoot, as the bird flies. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. You can't do that, right? Because space is warped and gravity gives you certain paths that you want to follow along. So, yeah, these are all calculated by very smart... Uh, orbital... Orbital... Geometry people. Exactly, exactly. They know, they know what they're doing. They understand how all these orbital forces work, mm-hmm. and they can figure out a fuel-efficient way of getting there. Because that's the other thing. You, you have fuel on board to do these maneuvers to slow down... But um, you know, to get captured into orbit and all that kind of stuff. But you want to minimize the amount of fuel you take with you because if you take too much fuel, that weighs you down, and you know, you're it costs a, a lot of money. Co- or launch cost. The launch right cost now. goes up the heavier you are. So you have a mass constraint. You have to build your spacecraft to be light enough to be able to to do these things. So you want to carry as much fuel as you need, but no more. Uh huh. You know, otherwise that's just a waste. And you said there were, you found ways on the Mercury mission to like save someone found that's right clever. You, yeah you were asking you were asking about you know adjustments on the way mm-hmm. you do have to make adjustments these are orbital correction maneuvers that we call or trajectory correction maneuvers because there's always some outside forces that are not not a hundred percent modelable that are going to affect your trajectory and a lot of that is caused by the sun like the solar radiation mm-hmm. um, and there's other perturbations from other other sources that. You know, you, you you know how you're how you're supposed to go, but you're going to have little itty bitty deviations, and that's where we do these what we call trajectory correction maneuvers, where you just expend a tiny amount of fuel just to you know, push you back in the direction that you want to go. Uh huh. So, you know, you carry enough fuel to do that kind of thing right. as well. And um, once you get into orbit around a planet, the same thing is true. You're, you're, there's other forces that are. Um, deteriorating your orbit that you need to do orbital correction maneuvers periodically to stay in orbit or else unfortunate things will happen so we carried enough fuel on messenger this is, this is going way back you know we'll, we'll get to the new stuff later but, yeah. but uh, we carried enough fuel to 
survive for or to be in orbit for what we designed one year, but then we, the extended mission was planned for another extra year for a total of two years. Mm -hmm. But we actually ended up in orbit around Mercury for roughly four years. So we nearly doubled the. That's awesome. We, uh, we doubled the uh, the length of the mission, getting you know twice as much science because of that. Um, what we did is kind of what you were talking about before, is um, one one of the one of the engineers on the team brilliantly figured that you know could these perturbations that are being caused by the sun pushing against the, the solar pressure from the from the particles emanating from the sun, we're always having to correct for those annoyances. Uh -huh. Then he's figuring well. Can we use those annoyances to our advantage, perhaps? Because that's free energy if you can harness it the right if way. If you could do the right thing with it. And one of the things, so, so Mercury, or excuse me, Messenger was a solar-powered mission, right? You're going so close to the sun that Why not? You, know, so, yeah, yeah. you got all the power you need. But the, uh, the solar panels were what we call gimbaled. So they were on an, a rotating, actuating arm. So we can angle those solar panels to get the right amount of solar energy on there. So we figured out exactly how to angle them to actually use them as like a sail on a sailboat oh that's awesome so kind of like you know you're tacking into the wind sometimes when you're i don't know much of i'm not a nautical engineer or anything like that but you know sailboats are they know how to use the wind yeah, and, yeah. and angle it properly to yeah that fascinated i did a little bit of sailing when i was younger and just like a little one or two person boats right and yeah it's it's kind of fascinating that you sort of your child brain thinks that the fastest you go is when the wind is directly behind you, no, but obviously not. that's not at all. It's like at a, when you're cutting across the wind at an angle. That's right, exactly. Um, and it's amazing how much power you get from that. It is, it is. So we didn't have wind, like air, but we had the solar wind. But you have so, zero friction pushing against it, so any extra momentum gain just keeps... You, you accumulate that. Yeah. So, in, so by, by intelligently angling those solar panels we were able to reduce the number of those trajectory correction maneuvers that we had to do, thereby saving fuel. So we ended up getting to Mercury with more fuel than we originally planned, and that was... That it's crazy us that it was to, years of extra fuel, though. That's so... That's, it seems like there would be a huge difference. Well, it, a little bit goes a long way when you're in space, right? Because if it's you're not, in orbit, it's, it's, it's just not, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not, not, yeah, yeah, you're not like in a car driving where your foot is always halfway down on the gas pedal expending gas. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're mostly coasting almost all the time except for these few maneuvers. So you save. right because again there's no there's no friction you're moving through a vacuum you're in a stable orbit so That's right. That's it's right. going to stay stable until something happens to knock it off course until those perturbations start adding up and push you and force you to have to do another correction so you know the, a little bit of fuel that you save goes a, literally a long way yeah so it, that was that was fantastic it was a fantastic mission that's and, awesome you know we, we that got into orbit in uh, 2000 actually that this. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. So I, I we talked about the timelines. Yeah, we should back up and talk about your entire career because I didn't realize until we talked two years ago that you'd been doing these things for so long. Because all these all these missions do take so crazy. It's, it's long. Like the yeah, we talked about that a bit when you were pads. when you're on the show the previous time. It's just because obviously Europa was just happening, and you. I'm still you, working Europa. That's my main gig right now. But yeah, if you're if you're in it for instant gratification, it yeah, it you're sort doesn't of, happen. You're constantly when something finally reaches its target, you're it's, seeing the spoils of work you did. For a decade. Like a generation ago. That's oh, that's right, that's right. And personally, did for you know a decade or a decade plus. Yeah. You know, so Messenger, I started working on on that right out of college, and that was 2000. So we launched that thing in 2004, and we got into orbit in 2011. You know, so <laughs> that and then the, you know four years later, the mission ended after we ran out of fuel, mm -hmm. despite the extensions that we got. So you know that that was a 
15 year project for me and but almost I, the entirety I, of your I, career post-college pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. um but you know i i started actually in the design phase already so the the people that were working messenger before i graduated that was going on for years as well yeah, trying yeah. to conceive of the mission come up with this you know crazy trajectory as to how to get there so the know. uh the sail using the panels as a sail was that something that was discovered after it had already launched after we launched yeah it was it was not something that was planned it was a hey let's what happens if we try this and uh yeah we were having some beers and i was asking about these things because i was also wondering how uh well i'll admit that i had to go to my phone to google this because i never fully understood how solar wind can push something if photons theoretically have no mass at rest at rest that's what we figured out in, is, yeah, in some... theory they have no mass at rest but photons I don't, i've never met a photon that's at rest that's, they're know. always they're so busy those photons they're, they're, they're just they're just moving all the time you know so this yeah. is how they were raised <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of kind of like me on vacation i can't we sit, i just can't the... sit still you yeah. know i just i you know i, I try to sit still when i'm on You're vacation a human it's photon just, that's just, the, i'm a human, a human photon back in our co-op days that's great. That's, that sounds like a superhero. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, a pho- so a photon does have and it, a certain very, amount of energy. A very small. Yeah, it's got a photon's got energy. It's got velocity. So therefore, it, it has mass. If you work out all the relativistic equations, it's got it has momentum. A small amount. It, it has can momentum. Push your exactly. a tiny bit. Right. There's enough. Yeah. Right. So if you have enough photons, it's called what we call the solar pressure pushing against whatever is going on. In and, fact, that's that's, that's the thing that. Uh, the Planetary Society, Bill Nye and company, they're, they're launching a CubeSat to demonstrate solar sailing you know, either next year or a couple years from now. I can't remember the exact timeline. But, yeah, they're going to launch a small little itty-bitty spacecraft but have a really large sail on there to actually demonstrate this in a small mission application. And, again, this can work because even though the pressure is tiny, it accumulates over a huge amount of time and has no friction slowing it down. So it just can keep getting it faster and faster. getting faster and faster. So you, you hear about, you know... In theory, you can have spacecraft going to faraway places powered solely by solar sailing because mm-hmm. you're just integrating out over a long period of time, and it's like free momentum coming your way, right? The sun's just doing its thing, and you're just taking it. Yeah, we so. were talking. Were we talking with someone from the Planetary Society at the March for Science? I th- we definitely were. It was I, very recent. I should remember that, but yeah, yeah. So that's one of the big things that they have going on. So solar sailing, it's 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 real. We did it on Messenger. It's the thing, it's all the be... kids are doing it. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Do you guys have any lingo? Are there any inside like solar sailing, like you know, like surf jargon we, we, kind yeah, of stuff? That's that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, you gotta come up yeah. with some like kind some, of slang. Oh, man. Some probes right goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I, see, I, I wish we had. The, I, I wish we had this conversation yeah. like four years ago when you, guys, you know, all Messenger you need is a good the, publicist. And oh, you can have, like, yeah, that's the trouble with these missions. Like we got, we have good publicists. We just. Didn't, that was a, that was a mess. You we need to that. set the jargon seven years earlier. That's the trouble. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's I right. Can't that's wait. Right. Till that's, oh, that's also going to be a problem because you know you all those all those missions are now going with like 1998 slang. And like yeah, like it's like the equivalent of having like a, a, a space messenger, a space probe that has like bootcut jeans. Like oh, yeah. it's so oh, 2004. Look- <laughs> what are you <laughs> little tyke? Well, that I, a while ago, talk, a friend of the show, Nick Doody, was uh like visited France for the first time. A handful of years ago, for the first time in like over a decade since he lived there mm-hmm. as a student. Um, but then he's like, so he's pretty much fluent, like fluent in French, but has mid nineties slang. Oh, <laughs> so it's like this weird thing where like it's like this sort of time capsule you don't Austin even think. Power is sort of a on a small <laughs> scale. Nice. Um, okay, so so planetary flybys. So we 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 talked about using them to slow down and we talked about speeding them up for Pluto. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys know. So we had that big that um you know big successful flyby of Pluto that we talked about last time, but we found another target. 
I don't know if you knew about that. You <laughs> were talking about that. Like, that was sort of the epilogue to the episode you were on beforehand. We were like, we've got a few likely candidates, and we're going to decide which one to go for. And so we've, which we've, one... We've, we found a likely candidate. No, no, we didn't find a likely... We found the candidate. The guy. And its, its name is uh, 2014MU69. Hmm. Yeah, you can Google that. It, it, I didn't just make that up. It's real. So it's actually a it's a Kuiper Belt object. So if you if you know the the zones of our of our solar system, you got the inner planets, which are the rocky ones, such as Mercury and us. Um, then you got the gas giants, Jupiter. We'll talk a little about Jupiter later on. And then outside of that, you got the Kuiper Belt, mm-hmm. and of which Pluto is the king of the Kuiper Belt, if you will. Um, but there's nothing. The Kuiper Belt goes pretty pretty darn far, and these these are pretty small bodies. Yeah, so there, there's a celestial body of some sort. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about it because it's like barely a pixel on on measurements that are being made. Yeah, that's until you guys and, had the Pluto flyby, I didn't realize how little... Because we had to change our... our that was what changed our, our, our understanding of the size of Pluto we, we knew, by a huge amount. We, we knew so little. I, I thought crazy. even though it's far away, I was like, well, it's a planet. We must know a fair amount. But look yeah, at and it was discovered resolution. decades ago. So now with better telescopes, we must have a fairly good, but no. No, we didn't. I mean, we the, by, the, the, yeah. best, the best pictures that we had were you know, measured in a handful of pixels yeah, with, the so cameras, with the telescopes and cameras that we had here because it's so small. But you still, know? you think it's it's not as far; it's nowhere near as far away as as any other, any other stars outside of our sun, let alone other galaxies, and we can see those. But like, yeah, it's still just a few pixels. There's just, there's just a few pixels, yeah. so you know you could you could you, you could tell where it is and its speed and some things just by watching it in the sky. But until you actually go someplace, you know, you're not going to really see yeah. what's going on. I mean, when we flew by Pluto, we saw all these, you know, geographical features. You know, geographical is a funny word to use because plutographical, ge- plut- plutographical sure. <laughs> uh, features on it. It was just it just blew all of our minds. We're mm-hmm. just like, wow, this is this is crazy. You know, and you, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw a lot of the pictures that were published. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. continue to be. You know, that's right because those pictures are still sort of being. We finished downloading all of them now. It, it took it took about a year plus to get all the data down because you're so far away and you have to beam all that data back to Earth. Mm-hmm. So the the bit rate is. I think maybe modems back in 1990 might have had a higher bit rate than the yeah, right. speed of the And again, as you were talking, you mentioned on the previous show, the fact that also the technology that's sending that information back is technology from a decade ago. From a, that, That's right. That's right. But that's not to say that it's bad technology. You know, it's great technology. That, you can't take an iPhone and fly it. Right. right. You, you go in space. Space is a is an unforgiving, harsh place with a lot of bad things, such as the solar wind that we talk about. It'll just, you know, your, your iPhone won't just, it'll just die. The right radiation. Away. It'll, the yeah, radiation, yeah. all sorts of stuff. So, you know, what you have to fly is, I don't want to say old stuff, but hardened it's stuff. It's hard, right, yeah, I've heard you about know, that process of... Yeah, you, it's, it's, it, it can sustain a lot of damage. It's rugged. It's ruggedized for space. So as a result, you're, you're not going to end up having, like, cutting-edge technology that gets rolled out to us consumer level consumer stuff. level yeah. stuff you know all the time you know these these are parts that have to work mm-hmm. you know like we, we've all we've all bought something whether it's a tv or a phone and for some reason the thing just doesn't work and you have to get a replacement right and it's yeah that's just it's annoying but it's a fact of life <laughs> you can live with it it's yeah. not a catastrophic you can't you can't launch yeah. a spacecraft to go to pluto or the sun or europa or something like that and be like oops can you you know yeah can i have a do-over on that yeah. you know it, it just I, we just need to get it back again exactly exactly it's trying to download an ios update i clicked okay is that okay wait no no <laughs> don't do that no <laughs> so yeah so you, you know you got this thing's got to work right. so you have to have parts that are proven to be able to withstand all the crazy radiation and 
just the general roughness of space. And so because yeah. of all of that, and it took a year and a half to get all the pictures and all, all the... Oh, it took a long time. Well, just all the data. I wouldn't say because of the the, the old technology. Yeah, gonna, the it, it bandwidth, just, but just the, be, it's, it's the, the distance and the, the distance and you know the power, the power that we had available to us. I mean, the the entire sol- the not solar project, the entire New Horizons spacecraft ran on roughly the power of a light bulb. You know, that Jesus. that's all we had. Right. So you know, and, that, that distance, and that has to send a signal across the, the entire solar, solar system's system. distance. Exactly. I, What's the main power source on that probe again? It's a. Uh, R- RTG, oh, radioactive, radioactive thermal, thermal generator. So yeah, it's it's, it's basically uh, it's a nuclear. It's giving off heat. It's the heat yeah, of something heat that's, that's radioactively decaying. Exactly. So that, that's generating heat, and that gets converted to electricity. So that's that's constantly as time goes on, the amount of power available to New Horizons is diminishing. So at some point in time, you know, the generator is going to be out of nuclear fuel, mm-hmm. and that spacecraft will go silent, which will be a sad day. And but there's not enough. Su- there's there's no way you could you could have gotten oh, solar the sun, power at that distance. The sun, the sun, looks, the sun tiny... looks looks like a star in the sky. Yeah, almost. Oh, yeah you yeah. know, it looks like a very bright star from that. But it's it's a star. You know, you're not going to put solar panels out at nighttime and capture light from uh, one of the stars right, right. or something like that. It's not going to happen. So we had to go nuclear, and, and pretty much any spacecraft that are that are going out that far. Like Cassini, the, Cassini is another example. You know, and the Curiosity rover is powered by that too. That, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah for for a different reason. That's right. So, you know, this was nuclear powered, so you, it's got a finite life by definition. Mm-hmm. But luckily, that that celestial body that we found is in our past. You know, we we had to make a few course corrections to to get us there, but luckily it was in our cone of possibilities to get to. And we will be arriving there January first, two thousand nineteen. Happy New so, Year! Happy New Year! It'll be a, it'll be a big one. It'll be a lot of people are you know they're they're gonna miss the ball drop because they'll be sitting there making sure that we get this flyby make this flyby successful. It, how long is it? How how quickly does it fly by the this body? Quick. I mean the new the. The observation campaign is going to start, you know, well before we get there. Right. The closer we get, it, you know, we're just getting uh, closer and closer pictures of the thing, and then we fly by, and and and, uh, and you know, we'll be receding from. Yeah, from and you're the, always the, gathering some information. That's right. That's right. So, I, I, I'm not sure how far along they are with the planning of the entire operation. It's kind of something that you were trying to figure out as we go, because we know so little. I mean, we knew very little about Pluto going into that flyby, you know, and we learned. A, crazy amount more mm-hmm. so we know even less about this one you know this. what what kind of things did we learn about pluto apart from what it looks like like what oh you learned a lot about the the temperature of the atmosphere you learned a little bit about the composition you saw we see some of the solar system mm-hmm. kind of like you take jupiter Jupiter pluto is it's it's one of those things that just got more and more interesting the more and more we looked at it it's kind of like a mini solar system mm-hmm. kind of like you take jupiter you know jupiter we we know is you know this giant planet for which we took some of the speed away to get there to, to Pluto. Mm-hmm. Which, Sorry, you know, Jupiter, we're, we're, yeah. we're you know infinitely grateful for that. But Pluto's or excuse me, Jupiter's got a bunch of moons that all orbit orbited. As mm. you know, it, it has moons. Um, so it's almost its own mini solar system, Pluto or excuse me, Jupiter is. So Pluto is very similar to Jupiter. It's got, I believe, four moons now. Really? Yeah. So such a tiny planet has four moons. It's a tiny dwarf planet. Yeah. It's it's, it's 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 so tiny it's considered a dwarf planet, but it has moons. Um, Charon is the first moon, and it's it's one of the things. Charon is actually a, a significant size of, of Pluto. It's almost like a binary dwarf planet, if you will. Any two things orbiting are messing with each other's... Are messing with each other's orbit. Yeah. And so you're, Charon being large enough, it's 
almost like like a sort of yeah a binary a binary uh, planet. So that it's less like going around it, and they're more sort of dancing with each other. They're dancing with you. That's a, group, a great way of putting it. So you have that, and then you have another three moons outside of Charon's orbit around Pluto. So it's it was fascinating to see this, and as we as we flew by Pluto, we actually took a lot of pictures of Charon as well. So we saw mm-hmm. like this large canyon on Charon. It's like I never saw, is, and all this stuff I'm assuming is public. It's yeah, uh, if you have, if you Google you can, the stuff, it'll it'll be all over cool. there. But it's it, it was fascinating to see, you know, what was once just a pixel, and you know, we thought like, is that another pixel? That's a moon, maybe. But then the closer and closer we got, we started seeing more and more stuff. As well as there, there were other uh, tele- space telescopes that we have orbiting Earth that was that were able to in- increase our knowledge of, of mm-hmm. Pluto as we were on our way there. So you know it, that all fed into just the science sequence that we planned on doing once we got there. Mm-hmm. You know what, where do we want to take our pictures? You're, you're you're flying by. You know you're not. Yeah, you've got one shot to make. Yeah, one shot. It's not like you're. It's not like Messenger where you know you get into orbit and. You know, yeah, you're, you're sticking around. You're gonna have a cup of coffee, hang out with, you know, stay for a, for like a while. At the this speeds like you're going, there's no way you could have brought the fuel to slow it down to get into orbit. Oh or no, that's, that was prohibitive. Yeah, because yeah. we were screaming, we yeah, were literally screaming. I and mean, we, we, when if we didn't do that, you know, the, the the Jupiter flyby allowed us to scream by. You know, if didn't, we didn't do that, we would have got there like decades later. Didn't you say that when it oh, went by, it was the fastest thing humans have ever? It was the fastest thing that humans had ever launched. Yeah. the launch speed to to get us out there. We we basically took the biggest rocket that was available to us, and we strapped on even more boosters on it to get as much oomph as we could. To, to get and then launch from that a tiny thing. And launch this tiny thing powered the equivalent of like a 60-watt light bulb. So awesome. You know, so it, efficiency is the key you yeah, know, right. for these things to work. you got to be efficient with mass, with power, everything. So then the Jupiter flyby saved you two decades, but... Yeah, I think also, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, quite a bit. Quite but, a bit. But then sped it up to... Mm-hmm. A it, ludicrous amount. A ludicrous amount of speed, which, you know, now it all works out that we're able to see this this other new thing in, a, in wow, what is it, one and a half years or so. So it's... Yeah, not it, even. You, you'll, you'll hear a lot more about, about New Horizons as time goes on. And according to Wikipedia, next. it says this thing is only about 20-some miles, maybe, it's wide? Tiny. Or, it's tiny. Yeah. Or 12? Uh, I can't tell what all these different it, measurements are. That sounds about right. There's like six different measurements of length, and I don't know what those would refer to. Well, I, I don't think it's round. I think it's a. They might both be right. I think yeah. it kind of looks like a peanut, you know. So we, uh, we'll find out. Yeah, right. Stay, right, stay yeah. tuned. When I, when I, when I, if I'm doing a show with you guys about once every two yeah. years, in two years we'll, we we would have flown by this, and we'll have and a lot more interesting things to every, say. Every every high school science kid will be chuckling at the MU69. Yeah, there, there you yeah. go. That's, I mean, it's, it Maybe it'll get a name. Maybe it'll get a name. Okay. You know? Well, I mean, they should keep the 69, no matter what, <laughs> just to get some free press out of the whole thing. There you go. So, That's right. So it was... Don't, they get named, and I think we discussed it before. It's the the date, and then is the MU the telescope that first discovered it? It's something like that. I, I'm not sure what the exact process is for that, but yeah, it, it's it's all then, traceable. All, and all then those, the number is like the last thing something. that... The, it yeah. was the 69th thing that it discovered, or something that year. Perhaps that might that might be how it is. That's awesome. And yeah. then uh, that you stopped working on that when it launched, or about about when it launched, because yeah. yeah, my my job on there was to help bring it all together at the at the at the stretch before we launched the thing to make sure that everything was working the way it's supposed to work. And then we launched that, and then I stepped off of that and moved on to another set of spacecraft that are currently orbiting Earth in the radi- in the radiation belts called okay. the Van Allen probes. Yeah, well, let's back up because we didn't talk about what... I mean, on the last time you were on, we did talk about what your role is, but let's talk about your role, why you're even here in Pasadena right now, how you got into this position. Oh, all right. So right now, I'm, I'm here uh, visiting some colleagues here at JPL. 
you know, APL for anybody where, where I work, the Applied Physics Laboratory, that's out in uh, the middle of Maryland, which is you know the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a a mission called the Europa Clipper, which is what my primary task is right now, and it's a mission to explore Europa, which is one of the moons of Jupiter. Um, interesting, we were talking about Jupiter earlier, so yeah. it's a fascinating place. Um, what's even more fascinating than Jupiter are its moons. Now, Europa is an extremely compelling destination in our in our solar system. So you you know you have a lot of these Mars rovers or, or Mars spacecraft going there because there's a chance that Mars at one point in time might have harbored life. There's mm-hmm. there's evidence of water flows in the, in these things. Now Europa actually has water. In fact, it's it's got an entire sea of water underneath the layer of ice. There's a sheet of ice underneath that. There's like a planet a, a moon wide ocean. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that is is the rocky part of that. So there's a whole lot of water, not just regular water. It's it's like a salty water. So it's got all the uh, the chemistry necessary for life, and it's in liquid form. So it's at a decent temperature. And here on Earth, you know, if you go to any of the extremist places, you can is, is that not a word? Most extreme most places. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a word now. All right. And, and any of the most extreme the places. The alt right are, places on Earth. Yeah. There, there, <laughs> there's. Certainly always comes everywhere. out of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you go to like the the deepest fissure of the ocean here on in on Earth, there's life there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to the hottest area, like the you know Yosemite or something like that, or, or Yellowstone, where there's these you know geysers spewing out super hot water, there's microbes that live in there. Right. You know, so somehow it's one of those things. Life finds a way. Right. So, no matter how extreme the conditions are here on Earth somehow some form of life has adapted to live there and the fact that there's liquid water means that it's within those bounds it's, it's within boundary the temperature range of, of liquid water right plus what plus minus whatever the salt does to it but it's you know in the a small band of yeah it's, yeah it's in it's in the tolerable range you know there's a there's an energy source if you're orbiting jupiter you have it and you have all these other moons around you you have constant tugs on you Kind of like you know the tides of Earth come in because the moon is kind of pulling them, pulling right. them right? Mm-hmm. as the moon goes around. So those same tidal forces are happening on Europa, which are enabling energy to be put into that system. So you got the right chemistry, you got water, and you got energy. So those are typically the three ingredients for for life. So you know, these are all fascinating things to dream about and think about. So we're going to go there to just check it out. You know, is it? Are these conditions really habitable? Can can life actually be there? Um, we don't have any life detectors or anything like that, but right. what, what we're going to be doing is making all the measurements necessary to determine whether or not that's actually a real possibility or not. So you are not going to... There's no possible way that you're going to be able to claim credit for when we do finally discover extraterrestrial life, because it can't be on this particular mission, you're saying? Well, you know, everything... I just want to be able to save my buddy everything, the first every, person to discover aliens. Every, every, everything builds on everything. Okay, right? okay. So we You'll actually have... You will we get some credit. Well, we, we actually have another mission in formulation, which is going to land on Europa. So that's that lags the our mission, the Clipper mission. It lags by a few years by design because you want to first check out the place to figure out what, where the safe zones are to land, what learn a lot more about your destination and then you put the lander down right so yeah. you know you, you could think of the clipper as being a precursor mission even though it's going to be returning a crazy amount of science mm-hmm. um to help us learn more about more about that moon and then the the follow-up being this lander yet unnamed lander will go there like i said several years later that's the plan yeah and who's going to fly on that 
Not me. But no, it, it'll be. These are all going to yes, be on unmanned spacecraft. Is this in fact, in fact, that's actually a very, very interesting question. If you remember, there was a. I don't know if you guys saw in the in the newspaper uh, a few weeks ago. There was a posting from NASA for the Planetary Protection Officer. Uh, we did yes, a really we, stupid yeah. thing about it on the yeah. show I write on. So, it, it, you know, well, it, it was funny because the, the, the headlines in the media were like, you know, apply to NASA to, to protect us from the aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, protect us from the aliens. You know, that's – it's actually a little bit backwards. So one of the most unfortunate things that could possibly happen is if – we brought a microbe with us. We already talked about how life finds a way, right? Uh-huh. So there could be, there's, unless you take special precautions, we're going to be bringing microbes with us wherever we go, right? So what would and be if that really lands in this nutrient-rich... If, yeah, exactly. If, if, if we bring a bug with us and we land on Europa or, or somehow transfer it to Europa, and then we detect life on Europa... We can't say that it was... All of a sudden, it's kind of like, oh, geez, did we bring that with us or was this indigenous? Yeah. And that would kind of suck you know so one of the things we have to do is make sure that that doesn't happen you know you, you ask like who's flying on this uh, who's yeah. going to be on this lander hopefully nobody and right. hopefully no microbe no cell no amoeba you know nothing yeah how do they even do that i get, get like it's got to be so clean and so sterile it, that's exactly the thing so there's different things you could do you can you can heat things up to a certain temperature and hold it at a certain temperature to mm-hmm. just make all the microbes die off that's part of our plan then on route to jupiter as well as while we're orbiting jupiter jupiter's got crazy radiation belts so we, we talked about earth's radiation belts briefly mm-hmm. uh, so jupiter's got that but bigger because you know everything's bigger at jupiter um so the radiation it's the texas of, of space it's the texas so that's of space what the exactly. stickers all saying, yeah. that's right yeah, that's you right. don't want to mess with jupiter <laughs> don't mess with jupiter and we we did already we are you know with 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 uh yeah, we stole some we stole, we stole yeah. some like, what if momentum. jupiter has a memory of that and i don't know be, i don't know this it, could it be will have its revenge you know let's let's not think about that that's that could, that could be potentially disastrous but um so the the anyway the radiation is going to also play a role in trying to kill off all those microbes as well so we'll, we'll do a lot of ground te- uh, ground operations before we launch just literally bake our spacecraft mm-hmm. and kill off as as much as we possibly can and then hopefully the radiation gets the rest of it and speaking of that is there enough of an atmosphere on europa that it might protect living organisms from radiation there is very little if any atmosphere on europa and you, you can you can check that i'm not 100 percent sure My about that but what, I, actually, but, but what i do know is water is a great shield of radiation oh okay so oh, that's if, right because they were talking about using that and a long-term right. so uh, yeah. so the so the the ice shell of europa would actually serve as a radiation barrier such that the 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 ocean underneath will be should be safe mm-hmm. for that now I mean, is this ocean when i talk about ocean it's it's it, there's actually more water on europa than there is on earth so, oh, so think, think, think about all the water I on Earth. Heard that. And get, you know, you know there, there's like if you looked at a like a globe of Earth, you know, whenever you see like those those globes that have like actual terrain and stuff like that, which are never to scale, they're but. clearly exaggerated, <laughs> like very very exaggerated. You know, it's it's if you were to hold a, hold the actual Earth and pretend it was like the size of a regular globe, it would be totally super smooth, smooth yeah. super smooth. So the on a planetary basis, on a planetary scale, the the depth of the ocean is actually razor thin. So if you just sucked all that water off of Earth, you have a little bit of water, mm-hmm. but that's less than what you have on Euro- on, on Europa because that there's just so much water there and it's old. You know, you got to think about the formation of our solar system. You know, time scales that are hard to grasp in your mind, and uh, that water has been there 
for a long for longer than Earth's been around, potentially. So if you think about all the time that it took for for us to get here from the right. amoebas that we once were, you know, Europa's shared that history and then some with more water than we had. So it kind of so if it, life it, is it, like a lot of like you know you just need to win the lottery once Europa's been entering that lottery twice it, as long and then then we have yeah I don't know whether twice but some some amounts that's comparable or more mm-hmm. well, how big so, is Europa compared to Earth Europa that's a good question I have to I have to Google that but it's it's certainly smaller than Earth the actual physical size of the Moon is smaller than Earth however but it has that much the water thic- the thickness of the of the layer of water that that we suspect that is there mm-hmm. is um. It shows that it has significantly more water than Earth does. So, I mean, just, just it's kind of mind-boggling to think about that. You know, it, yeah. it, it kind of puts you in the realm of sci-fi right now. You know, it, like these are things that we might have, e- even just when we were in college 20 years ago, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you wouldn't have thought that we'd be talking about potentially finding a habitable place this close to us. You know, we're not talking about like a planet orbiting some, yeah, some, exoplanet, system, uh, some yeah. exoplanet that, you know, the Kepler missions finding all sorts of stuff which is fantastic but they're so far away yeah. this is like you know our solar system our solar system this is our neighborhood here you know so it's it's kind of neat to- what, what is the overall I mean do people talk about this kind of stuff it, uh, at at your job like, is it ever actually discussed or is it kind of stuff you know in the back of your mind it could happen but no one's like hey wouldn't it be cool like does it actually come up in work conversations ever <laughs> it it does but you know it's it's kind of like what you were describing to me with 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 what you're doing in your day job when you know you you became a comedian and it, it was fun and but now it's like it's turning into a normal day job right 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 so you know there certainly is a, a sexiness and a romance to to space travel we all we all feel that you know whenever you, you hear like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye talk about this stuff you're like wow that's that's awesome and you know you you have that sense of wonder it's always in the back of your mind mm-hmm. but you know we're but there's a lot of admin, a lot of arithmetic. There's there's a lot of work, you know, and and that's what we try to stay focused on because you know, we, while we can dream big dreams, we have to do good things, you know, yeah. in, uh-huh. in, in in the here and now to enable the the awesome stuff that's going to come. So, given that we were already talking about the solar system, is this a good time to transition to talking about the sun? The sun is a major part of our solar system. <laughs> in fact, it is. Uh, yeah, that's that's good because we were talking about Jupiter being like you know the big dog. Well, you know here comes the sun, and actually it's very timely. Yeah. With the solar eclipse coming up. Right. You know, so the solar eclipse is. I don't. I don't know whether this show is going to oh, air. We'll put this out before Monday, unless so? I suddenly get crazy busy. But yeah. Okay. So uh, for any of you who have not uh, been paying attention to anything on the news, which I wouldn't blame you if that's the case, but um, <laughs> it. it there's a solar eclipse going right through the country on Monday. Yeah, it um, sort of it starts. the The band of totality is kind of a diagonal line from just running from across. like Oregon down through like, like North Carolina or South Carolina somewhere. Like, down yeah, there. shout out to uh, Jesse because Nashville is right in the path of right it. in there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't have to go anywhere. I've heard that Oregon is supposed to have historically like it's going to be the worst traffic event in the history of the state. It, there, there's, there's. I don't think there's a single hotel that's not booked. And you I've know, heard this, they had, they've had to institute, like, martial law to stop price gouging, because people are just, really? like, canceling bookings that were made a year or two ago, because they know they can make ten times they as much. ten times as much, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's like scalping hotel rooms. Oh, it's yeah, like, I guess... Great, uh, great business model. I guess some uh, smart thinking... So, you know, these... these well, there's, these, like, eclipse we chasers. Should, we, we, gotta, we gotta... This is totally a, a, an opportunity, because we know when the next eclipses are gonna be. Well, that's what... Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Some, so, some fans of space and eclipses are probably... 
they probably booked their Oregon hotels. It's kind, it's kind of like way the per, out. it's kind of like the person that got the you know Microsoft.com website back in right. like the early nineties, just so you know it's going to be worth something. So well, this the, is like, there's there's an episode of I forgot if it's it's either Radiolab or Ninety Nine Percent Invisible about Eclipse Chasers because it's a really weird, very nerdy. Okay. Cult-like group, and because this is rare in that for America, and that it does cut this great path of totality across the country. But eclipses, total eclipses that happen somewhere in the planet, aren't that rare. I mean, like maybe not every year, but like it's not like this one's a, kind of a once every forty-ish years to have Something it be like this that, good right. in the U.S. But these people go to whenever there is one, and they interview them, and they have these like crazy. It's almost like a. a an evangelical cult that has not cult, but, you know, like a speaking in tongues and snake handling. Like they had audio people experiencing the eclipse and they're like having orgasms. They had to give a warning in this podcast that like what you're going to hear is going to sound kind of sexual because they're like, oh, like, nothing could prepare you for what you experience. I'm looking forward to it. Now we're in Maryland. We're not in that line of uh, in, in totality. Yeah. We're at like, I believe like somewhere in between 80 and 85% or so. So oh, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to see a solar crescent, which yeah. I think is going to be, I think that's going to look just as cool. Yeah, you know, I remember we had which one of those you get as school. part of the solar eclipse. If you're if you're right. in the path of totality, you get the crescent, but then you get the then then you get like the blackout and you, and you see everything. Um, you know, the, do, you, do you guys remember the one in like '87 or so that was because you were in Buffalo, so it's kind of this roughly the same area as Michigan. Do you okay. remember, like, in, in late grade school, there was a pretty full one where everybody had to warn you, like, don't look at it, and people were, like, using, like, pinhole... I, I uh, vaguely, you know, sort of this, camera I would have been 10 years to... old at that time. I remember there was one so, in I... Britain when I was around 18. I think it was around 98 in Britain, yeah. and my physics teacher organized a trip, like a school trip, and we all went down, because it... The path of totality just cut across the southwest of England, so we went down to Devon, or Cornwall, oh, okay. I can't remember which... Uh, and camped and just camped in a field. I, I don't know what, like, I guess someone, he or one of the other teachers knew someone who had a farm there, so we just, like, camped on the farmland and all the mm. supermarkets were selling eclipse viewing glasses, which I don't think you're meant to use anyway, but, like, it's no, basically... there are ones you can buy that are safe. Like, that Safe-ish, but, like, yeah, it's like... It, <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're almost... a big ish. you got to be careful. So anybody that's listening, that, that, uh, make sure don't you got... Don't look at the eclipse. Make sure you got good eclipse glasses. No, you, you, get the right glasses. They are know? almost... They're almost opaque. They're, they're... You, you, you literally, if you're wearing them indoors, it's a black... It blacks out everything. You mm. cannot see... It's not. It's not like dark sunglasses. These yeah. are these are like, dark, yeah. dark, 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 dark. Because there were a lot of That's warnings right. of that on the news. I remember a lot of like newspapers and t- TV news just going like, "Do not just use sunglasses. Even doubling up on sunglasses, no. you will blind yourself." Yeah, it's not a good idea. So don't, uh, don't don't look right at the sun. But yeah, I remember that people supermarkets were selling, but they just looked like they looked like sort of cheap 3D glasses. They were like cardboard. But there's but just the film in the middle was black. It's just black. It's just black. I mean, I I, I got a pair uh, last week. You know, and I, I'm at first I thought they they weren't working because you know I literally couldn't see anything. But yeah. then you know that's that's, that's what you point. need. That's right, the whole right. point. So be exactly. careful, everyone. Don't look right at the eclipse. Don't look at the, at the eclipse. But right. it is yeah. But once if if you guys if anybody's in the fortunate enough to be in that path of complete eclipseness, um, you know the the moon. It's actually kind of remarkable that we actually have eclipses because if you think about it the the moon is obviously crazy small compared to the sun right what are the chances but, that the distance would be such that they're both they line up when they're so yeah. so just just a first order the uh the moon is roughly four one four hundredth the size of the sun 
And the sun is also 400 times further than the moon. Which is just complete coincidence. Complete coincidence. Yeah. So it you just know. happens to work out exactly that, that, the right that, size that, to block it out. But that, not exactly. but there are annular eclipses because the moon isn't in a circular orbit. So I remember right. some of those happening where you still see a ring of you the sun. You see a ring. And, that, yeah. and actually, yeah, that's, that's called exactly. It's called an annular eclipse. And uh, this, there's scientific value to both the, the total eclipse as well as the annular eclipse. Because, mm. you know, when you... All right, again, don't look at the sun. But right. when you look at the sun... Um, you know, it's a, it's this round disc in the sky, right? But because it's so bright, and again, you're not looking at the sun, right? But it, if you did, it's it's so <laughs> bright. You're, look at the you're looking using scientific equipment. Yeah, it's... exactly, exactly. Don't look at the sun again. But it it just blots out everything. You can't see anything, any other detail. But if you block out the sun with a moon, you know, if you just place it right there, yeah, you can see these these layers outside. So when you have these annular eclipses, it gives you a shot it gives you a chance to see that first layer of atmosphere, if you will, around the sun. Mm -hmm. And then when you have the total eclipse, it's arguably cooler from, well, from different points of view. It gets totally dark, because which is like it, a weird thing. Well, yeah, that, that's, 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 that's a, yeah, we can talk about that. Cause all of a sudden you're seeing all the winter, con well, for instance, we'll see all the winter constellations, you know, Orion, which is one of the, You'll see constellations during the day if you're in the path of totality. Well, it gets that it's, dark. It's dark. Well, I thought I thought the corona would still like light up enough. That you couldn't really. It's it's. I mean, it's still lighting up, but it, I mean, you could still see yeah. sun. You see stars like well, at awesome. dusk and dawn. See, I'm glad it's 2017. So. so I'm glad that like it's happening now because everybody has, has like even amateurs have such great cameras that I'm not going to be there, but I'm sure there's going to be so it, much cool be, shit to see. It's going to be it'll flooded. Be, you're going to see yeah, so much stuff like all there. over the place. It'll, yeah. it'll be like you're there, but not. I can just make the orgasm noises as I'm watching the video. So. What what happens is that when you when you're seeing the total eclipse, you actually see the sun. What we call the sun's corona. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like the the exo atmosphere of the sun that kind of just extends pretty much forever. And it'll kind of look like these wavy, you know, crazy looking things. If you if you you know Google sun's corona during an eclipse, you'll see the pictures of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's it's a part of the sun that's it, it, we've never really explored. We can't we can't explore it because the sun is just too bright. Yeah. So. The solar corona. This is this is an interesting part of the sun because the surface of the sun relatively is actually quite cool, uh -huh. and then it goes up by thousands of degrees when you go into the solar corona, which is up a, a few thousand, a few a few hundred or a few hundred thousand. Uh, which seems really counterintuitive. It, it seems counterintuitive. It feels like sort of saying five paces away from a campfire is hotter than touching the fire. That's weird, isn't it? It, 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 so there's a lot about the sun that we just don't understand at mm -hmm. all I mean, because it's it's hard to observe it right because again we shouldn't be looking at the sun <laughs> but you know we, we have lots of spacecraft that are that are out there observing the sun we had in, in fact uh, at apl we launched the stereo spacecraft it's a pair of hence the name stereo it was a pair of spacecraft that we launched uh geez like i think in 2006 or seven so they've been out there for a while mm -hmm. and they've been solar observatories but from from the di from roughly one astronomical unit away, the same distance that Earth is away from the Sun, and there's there's other solar observatories, um, Solar Dynamics Observatory, and uh, a couple other ones that are all looking at the Sun, but they're looking at it from far away. So you ha you kind of think of a river, all right? If you're looking at a river um, from a distance, you see how the river is flowing, and you can understand a little bit about the river. But then if you go close to the river, you see a totally different. You, it's a totally different story. Right, you start seeing little eddy currents. You start seeing like some of the mechanics that are happening at the at the detail level. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. you just you just can't. Like, the same thing as looking at a mountain. You know, looking at a mountain, it's a pretty mountain. 
and you learn a lot from looking at it from far away, but when you're actually on the mountain, it's a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you kind of need both views to really understand what's going on, right? So we got, we already have the outside view of the sun from stereo, SDO, various other missions, but we don't have the close-up view of the sun mm -hmm. until next year. Right. So it's 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 going to be it's going to be awesome. There's a spacecraft called the Parker Solar Probe that will be launching towards the end of summer of, of 2018, and it's like Messenger will be uh, doing a series of Venus flybys. It'll be doing a whole bunch of Venus flybys, and each one is going to pump our, pump our orbit closer and closer and closer to the sun. And as you get closer to the sun, you get faster and faster and faster. And our in our final orbit. We're going to be going so fast, we'll be roughly one one-thousandth the speed of light as we like whiz right by the sun at about eight solar radii, I believe. So you take, take the radius of the sun. So imagine you're looking at the sun, but don't look at the sun <laughs> again. And you take, you take half of that width. That's one solar radii radius. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's singular. But then if you just go out eight times, that's about where... So go four sun diameters out then. Four that's another of way of saying that. So you, yeah. it's easier to pluralize diameter than it is radii. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's how far we're going to be away. That's the temperature is at, be that, close. at that distance, what's the... It's, I, I believe, like 2,500 degrees or so. So well, well, well above like the boiling point of water or yeah, anything like that. Course, so yeah. it's... And above the melting point of... Of pretty much everything. So we, we have this... There's two things that we had to figure out to make this thing work. You know, one was how do we shield ourselves to keep our to keep all of our electronics working. I mean, nothing you build, no electronics box, no iPhone or even old electronics, anything like that. It, it can't survive those temperatures. Yeah, my yeah. iPhone overheats when it's in a car on a hot day. Sometimes there, there you go, there you go. So you know, you're you're done. But we have um, this carbon composite material that we have it's roughly four and a half inches thick it feels like foam like hard foam mm -hmm. and that's all there is between the sun and the electronics so on one side of that of that foam it's going to be you know thousands of degrees but on the other side it's going to be room temperature damn it's going to be room temperature so you got your, your electronics that are going to be at a snug 30 degrees Celsius that or so. I'm speaking of Celsius. It's extraordinary. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. How is it, how is it made or how, how, who created this thing? Um, it's it, materials that's been under research. Uh, obviously, the government's been funding a lot of work in this field. Um, but it, it, it's, but that, I mean, that's amazing. That's like, it's, that's so much hotter than anything you would even conceive of encountering on Earth. And, it, Four inches is enough to cool it Four down. Four inches to, is enough. You know, car carbon is the a, temperature of this room. Car carbon fibers are a, a remarkable material. You know, you can do a lot with them. So you, you got you have that protection. You know, and that, like I said, keeps us at a nice toasty tens of degrees in yeah, centigrade yeah. Celsius. So that's 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 remarkable. The other thing, the other challenge was the solar panels. So you know, we talked about Messenger using using its solar panels to, as a, as a sail, right? Mm -hmm. Well. Solar probe, Parker Solar Probe, getting close to the sun. Obviously, you have as much solar power as you as you need, right? Kind of, because the these solar panels are just going to just die if they're if they're exposed to the sun too much. They're just they're yeah. just way too hot for anything to really work. And the solar panels to actually get sunlight on them can't be behind that sunshade that we talked about, right? right? So right. that 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 carbon of shade. You know, so that that kind of defeats the purpose. And the shade is actually just one side. It's not like it's uh, a, a complete box. Uh, no, no, it's, it, exactly. It's 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 kind of like a disc. It's shaped like a disc, 
and it has like a, a mechanical structure that has this disc that protects the rest of the spacecraft. And if it ever got just slightly askew and exposed the shit behind it to just an instant of solar radiation, it would be toast instantly. Very very unfortunate. It would be instantly gone. Everything would just. I don't. I don't know how fast, but it would. It would be bad. Yeah, it's twenty five hundred degrees. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I just one little. It would be bad. So, but that's why we got to make it work. And how? Just to get some more stats, how long will an orbit take around the sun at that speed at that distance? Well, it's only at that speed at at the uh, periapsis, at the closest approach of the sun, that's when it's going to be rough, just a hair under 1 1,000th speed mm-hmm. of light. Um, it's it's going to be a very elliptical orbit. It's going to kind of... Imagine the orbit going as far out as roughly Venus, and then as oh. close as as uh, eight solar that, radii, okay. or four solar so diameters. So it swoops in and comes it back out. In and comes back out. And it, yeah, so it swoops in, comes back out. And you know, going all the way out from the sun to Venus, that takes a while. And coming back obviously takes twice of a while. Um, so there's there's plenty of time between orbits uh, to you know, look at the measurement, down, download all the all the readings and all the measurements that you take, and learn stuff that'll help you inform what you want to do the next time around, and then the next time around, and the next time around. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a big rinse and repeat kind of action. That's uh-huh. how that's how that's working. But the uh, the solar panels though, we have them. Like I told you before on Messenger, we were able to turn them. On Solar Probe, we're actually able to retract them behind the sunshade. And we can kind of direct exactly how much of it is peaking out. Because we're so close to the sun, so you're getting so much solar energy that you only need the tiniest sliver to to actually gather that solar energy. Yeah. Right? So you you have that, but you're also exposing that to a A dangerous... A a heck of a lot of heat. Yeah. A heck of a lot of heat. So we have a... just, Just like in your car, you have coolant right that runs through your through your engine picking up the heat and then it goes to the radiator and and that heat gets dumped out so we have the same exact process going on with with our solar panels where we have little tubes um that contain pressurized water it's just just regular just water regular yeah. water that's that's the that's the best uh, liquid to use and it'll it'll flow through the solar panels the hot parts gather up all the heat get pumped to the back of the spacecraft where that heat gets radiated out into space and then back and forth again just like in your car mm-hmm. and that that's how we keep it that's how we keep the uh, solar panels wow. cold um or, excuse the, me, would, the cool. solar, would the solar panels be mostly deployed when it's further out when it's sort of at the venus distance or that, will it that's exactly right they so the the, the solar panels panels kind of uh, rotate back towards the sun towards the sunshade or behind the sunshade so they're they're recessed so at, when we're far away, like when we launch from Earth, you know we need all the power we can get because we're one astronomical unit from the sun. Mm-hmm. So they're they're fully extended, you know, gathering as much solar energy as they can. And the closer we get, the more and more we retract them because you know you're getting more intense sunlight the closer you are to the sun. So right. you don't you don't need as many solar cells exposed to the to this to the sun. Does Plus it that have, helps the whole thermal? Story. I presume it also it must it has a battery to store some of that energy or is it always just using the energy that it's well, you, making in that moment you you have a battery that's constantly getting charged by by the uh, by the solar panels because mm-hmm. sometimes you you want to just in the event that you you're out of power for whatever reason you have a reservoir of energy that right hopefully when you get the sun back you can you can uh power up again in fact we we need them for on on messenger on europa because often you go behind a moon where the sun you know is being eclipsed yeah. right so you're you're out of sunlight but you still need power for your instruments so likewise when you go behind venus for solar probe and it does the venus flybys it's going to be in the dark you know pitch black so you need to have a battery to be able to run through those eclipses so 
yeah, a battery is a critical part of the, right, of the right. power system, of course. That makes sense. Yeah. So what are the actual tools that it's going to be gathering data with? So it's um, this is a part of the solar system that we have really no idea about, right? You, it's it's amazing how little we know about the sun from like a, a, the the processes that are happening really close. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a good idea of how the solar wind uh, comes to us and all that, but all the processes that are going on right next to the sun, we have no measurements there. So we're going to be measuring the magnetic field, measuring the electric fields. We're going to be gathering little solar particles. Um, we have these particle detectors that are on board. So all sorts of instruments. That we have some imagers that are going to try to image uh, some of the solar wind, uh, some of the corona really close, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking askew from the sun because we're not going to, again, don't look at the right. <laughs> well, Even the probes can't look at the When you're saying uh, particles, you mean like sort of subatomic particles? That's right. That's right. The same that would be gathered in a like a particle accelerator. That's exactly right. So we're going to be we're going to be trying to count the those the number of those particles to kind of understand how they're distributed. What what are the, what's accelerating them? One of the, one of the weirdest things, you know, the solar system is a fascinating place. It's no, well, it's a big place, but um, somehow when when these particles are coming out of the sun, they get accelerated. You know, they come out at a certain velocity, then something makes them accelerate. Which it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, you think as you're leaving the sun because the sun is this gigantic, the, yeah, yeah, this gigantic gravity gravitational pull. You'd think it'd be pulling it back and slowing it down, but the opposite is actually what's what's looks like is happening. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the mechanism is that that so causes something repelling it, or is there something else that we don't know about that's attracting it in the other direction? We have no idea. So that's why we're going there. You know. So when you guys are looking at the solar eclipse or looking at those pictures, you're going to be seeing these waves coming out of the sun. That's where we're going to be going in in a year's time. So, do do we currently to have figure this out? Any idea why why it is that the corona is hotter than the surface of the sun? We might have an idea. I I don't. I'll have to look at what the scientists are saying. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a mere engineer, not a scientist. <laughs> you know? But uh, it, it, we might, this is going to help inform us a lot more about what's causing all these things. So. It'll be an exciting mission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'd imagine that the closer we get to it... The launch is next summer. The launch is at the end of summer. the actual first pass-by will be... The first pass-by is just a a handful of months after launch. It's pretty fast. Yeah, we we go, we we, we fly by it, and then with each successive flyby, we're getting closer and closer. So it's kind of like, you know, we're winding down with each... But even the first flyby is going to get us some data. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's not going to be the closest ever that we're going to get, like I Mm -hmm. said, but it everything is going to be more informative than where we are right now. Where know? is where is the physical thing being assembled? Is that here? No, it's 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 well it's where I work at the Applied Physics Laboratory. That's where everything's coming together. We we we've, we've had a, had a series of instruments delivered recently. Uh the spacecraft all the components are are have all been tested out and they're all bolted on. It's a it's a it's a big deal, you know. You, you have to, you have to build up all the various components first, which takes years. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have to put it all together and I was going to say hope it works right, but, you know, we designed it to work right. It takes a lot of effort to have the foresight to make sure that, you know, the various components are talking to each other properly. This is this was, was my job on New Horizons, if you recall. That's what we're in the process of doing right now on the solar probe mission. And right now we're on pace. Uh, in a couple months or so, we're going to start doing spacecraft-level testing, which is a, a, a big deal. Awesome. You know, to actually subject the solar probe spacecraft to vibrations and and various thermal profiles to make sure that this thing's all shaken out here on the ground before we put it out there in space. Is that how hot like I, I presume one of the things you're going to have to do is test it 
against heat in some way. Well, we yes, that, that's done at the at the shade level. So we actually will take the the materials that are used on the sunshade and subject that separately because that has to go into a special chamber that I believe is in Texas, um, a NASA center that's there that has the ability to subject uh, samples or you know a, a test article to various levels of sunlight, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's that's how we're testing that because we can't. There's certain things that you can't test at a spacecraft level, right? You know, like we can't we can't, for instance, test a communication system without a wire. You know, at at, at distances that we're going to be flying at, so you have to simulate certain things mm-hmm. or or test things at the component level and then let that ride through. So the the sunshade that was tested as a as a standalone entity. Oddly enough, the funny thing there is that you know we had to ship it to that facility in Texas that I mentioned to you, and this this facility tests things at at various different levels of sunlight. Yeah. And the, uh, the the shipping container that was used had a standard label on it that says "Do not expose to sunlight." <laughs> Which is, <laughs> I think it's going to be. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like ah, we kind of broke the rules on that yeah. one, but uh, <laughs> it was just funny anecdote there. So, how big is the total probe? Like, if, when it's when it's going around the sun, how big is that thing? How big is that thing? It's about. Uh, geez, don't quote me on this, but I guess I'm on the air, so it's not being quoted. <laughs> if it's it's about twice my height, I'll say okay. a little, little bit more than twice my height. If it's standing up on edge, it's about twice my height to give you an idea of scale. Uh, that, that must be pictures of this online, though. There's plenty of pictures of this online. There's videos, pictures. You know, check it out. And simulations, yeah. animations, and everything. All sorts, all sorts of goodies are out there. You know, it's 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 ramping. You see, Solar Probe is at the, at that point where it's ramping up. Right, we're launching. It's going to be a big deal. Well, um, if you're already starting to install time. the components, then they're presumably it's starting to look like the finished thing that's going to be in space. It's, it's I, I wouldn't say it's starting to look like it. It, it, looks, it looks like, like it. a probe. You know, it's uh, these, these components are all bolted together. We're we're in, in the throes of spacecraft of, of preparing for full up environmental testing of the spacecraft. So, it's it's real. It's going. And what was the budget on this thing again? If you're allowed to say that, is that public? Yeah, this, no, this, this, it'll, it'll it'll show up on Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm sure it's it's in the. Uh, the low one million or one billion range, like one point three ish, one point four, somewhere in that range. I, I could be off by ten, ten percent. What, or what so. was the uh, New Horizons one? New Horizons was a was a New Frontiers mission, so that was actually cost capped at eight hundred and fifty. So that that came at eight hundred fifty million. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, these these various missions come in at different are are, are at different levels. Mercury, the Messenger mission, for instance, that was at four hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. So that was a different class of mission. The um, the Europa missions that we were talking about right now, the uh, the Clipper mission, that's a hair over two billion. Oh shit! So okay. it's it's it sounds like a lot, but when you look and see all the stuff that's going on, you know it's a it's a project that takes. Multi, we have, we've already talked about how long these things take, right? Imagine having a workforce for right, a decade right. plus. And yeah. you have subcontractors, employing thousands of scientists and engineers at every level. Exactly, and then all the subcontractors and all the all the support staff, all of that. So you're you have a large number of people that contribute to to this kind of thing over a long large period of time plus all the materials and all that stuff that goes right. into it so it's it sounds like a lot of money but it's actually if you look and see how it's being spent it's it's a deal yeah. it's a deal you know when you and when just you how at, much science gets done not just from the mission itself but presumably just i i imagine even just the process of working out how to do this stuff in the first place and building it you just mm-hmm. learn so much that that has value everything feeds forward you know every every mission influences how you do it the next one like for instance uh, solar probe learned a lot from how we did messenger you know messenger likewise had to go not as close to the sun but it got to mercury which is you know a lot closer than we are so we learned a lot of stuff as to how how to deal with the solar panels uh, with the more intense level of ultraviolet light, for instance, coming from the sun. 
So we had to develop special coatings in the solar panels for Messenger, and those were directly transferable to solar probes. So it's, you know, you're always standing on the shoulders of giants, and sometimes yeah. those giants are yourself as well, so you're standing on your own shoulders sometimes. But everything everything builds on itself. Yeah. Let's so. feed the case to Joe Sixpack. Is this mission going to result in a much better thing to put on your dashboard under your windshield that uh, can I can I use the solar shield to keep my car from getting too hot when I'm when I'm parked in an, that's, an that's exposed an inter- that's, parking that, that's an interesting thing it probably costs a lot more than the you know 699 <laughs> yeah. shade that you can get yeah, if it works I mean if it keeps my car at room temperature yeah, but it's it's like this 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 carbon foam it might not be the cleanest of material that you want to be using. Oh, it's a foam. It's it's what does it it's, look li- like? it's 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 literally a foam type material. I mean, it's it, it's very clean, of course, because going yeah. on a spacecraft. But um, what it's, color is it's it? Thick. It's it's dark charcoal gray. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's at least the the foamy part is there's yeah. there's coatings on on the other sides. But if you were to cross section the thing, you know, it's. Do you have any bits of it that you can play with in the office? No, I don't. I should. I should get something. Because it feels like the kind of thing you want to sort of, you know, put on a barbecue and then just put your hands straight on top of it and, and show be like, be like, yeah, 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 check it out, guys. <laughs> that, that, that'd be Pretty fun. Sweet. I need to, yeah, I need to get my hands on some solar shade material. That'd be fun. And speaking of barbecues, as a big fan of bonfires and throwing things into them, can we talk about how the Parker Solar Probe is going to end its life? That's a good question that I don't actually know. You I know, thought the plan was to like. Just, shoot just keep it, on going. No, shoot it into, it into the, the sun, sun at some point and see at, how long you you keep getting at, data at, from it before it you know, burns that, that, up. That's a good question. I'm sure this has been talked about. I actually don't know the answer to I that. I thought we talked about that last time you were on. Is that not... I might have made that up. I might have been like... I it, and it makes a lot of sense, right? So, I mean... It, well, yeah, most it of these probes in general seem to end their life by crashing into like, whatever into the thing is that they orbit. Right. I and mean, just like, you know, Cassini's in the process of doing that right now. If you've been keeping up with that, that's... Which is orbiting... Uh, Saturn. Okay. It's a JPL mission. Our colleagues down the street here, you know, fantastic mission that has returned to... You're just saying that. You guys have to play nice, don't you? Are they like... No, yeah. <laughs> like I said, on, on Europa, we're, 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 we're partner... APL and JPL, it's actually... It's actually grown to be a very, very good partnership. Okay. Uh, I'm not just saying that because it's the politically right thing to say. It's uh, it. It's Do they actually... have like a California swagger to them? Do they have like a hotshot mavericky? Uh, just like, just like I, I got that East Coast swagger to myself. You know? <laughs> no, so true. it's like you know, it, it's, it, it like, goes it's both ways. You know? Yeah, it's exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You guys surf, but we got better pizza. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, although I, I, Maryland versus where, uh, growing up in New York, yeah, I got to say that New York's got the pizza thing down. Not upstate, though, does it? It's, does it? Okay, I don't it's know. Got it. It's got it. It's got it. It's got it. At least compared to Maryland. Definitely compared to California. Yeah. I mean, you know? I'm not going to fight for California pizza. No, that's, it's, that's, a, that's a tough sell. I mean, sale. they have their own kitchen. And I know. <laughs> what are they doing? They should be making so much better pizza out of that damn kitchen. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you been back to school since graduation? Cornell? Um, I, I went there once back when I was... Uh, Dating the person who would eventually become my wife, we okay. went we went back there once just because I wanted to show off the Finger Lakes region. I don't know if you've ever, Matt, if you've ever been I, to the Finger Lakes area. It's a beautiful I area. It's I, gorgeous. I've definitely. It is gorgeous. Sorry. That's that's a <laughs> that's a pun. Uh, There's gorgeous there. I they get are, you. And they are gorgeous. I've driven. I don't know how close I would have been. I've I've driven from sort of New York through up. Like I've driven all the way through upstate New York up to Canada. Okay. And I don't know whether I passed any of that, but I was, it was a beautiful drive. Yeah, it's very a very attractive bit of the country. Yeah, upstate, upstate from, New York, from is New York a... City through upstate into yeah, Canada. It wasn't. Or... I've have done that through New York City, but I also I can't remember where I was doing a gig. I was doing did you a gig get into somewhere Canada? in like South Pennsylvania, and I drove up. Did you and... go through Buffalo or Niagara Falls to get to Canada? Uh, 
not that t- I can't remember whether I did that time, but I have been to Buffalo and Niagara Falls. Okay, that, that's where I grew up. Was a little island in the middle of the Niagara River called Grand Island. Oh, nice. Which is yeah, the Niagara River, you know, flowing from Lake Erie to to Lake Ontario. The river actually splits and comes back together, and there's a little island there. It's roughly three and a half to four miles ish wide or something like that. Mm-hmm. that, that that's my is there island. A school on that island, or did you have to take no? The boats? There, there, there was there was there was at, at at one point in time there was a ferry long ago, but we have. Two bridges, one on the north side, one on the south side. We have our own school, we have our own supermarket. You know, it's our own little, our own little thing. But that, nice. that's where I grew up, so I can see Canada from my house. Yes, uh, and then we we figured out it's twenty years ago in like two weeks or so that we moved in together to work at Intel. That's right. Our, full sub our first, years. my first, in, yeah, the internships that we, yeah, Andy and I, as 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 many of you listeners know, Andy and I went to school together, and uh, you know, both majored in the same same major took a lot of classes together but we actually took the same internship with intel corporation long ago and that was exactly believe, 20 yeah, years ago it was right around when princess die died which was like right early september 97 yeah that's right so and we had we were talking about yeah our we actually roommate. yeah it was it was <laughs> we got along it, well. it, it, we got it's, it, it's hit or miss sometimes with roommates you know so <laughs> l- 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 luckily you know, and i andy and i hit it off well not all engineers are are, are good roommate material and that's uh, right or not all people yeah 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 that's right. But uh, it was, was also was the, he last... the kind of engineer who's maybe better at engineering than he is at certain social. No, the opposite. Actually, he fancied himself a DJ and uh, a hip hop uh, aficionado. He was starting his own hip hop clothing music beer. I'm sure that's been uh, that, that domain safe. is owned by that's someone else. That's safe enough. Now. That's safe enough. But just that one anecdote when you got the lecture about music. That oh gosh, because you grew up playing trumpet and you know music theory. And I know music pretty well. I'm a trumpet player, and Andy is likewise a an accomplished guitarist. Trombone. Well, not whatever. oh, and you know, yeah, you're. You're a crazy good guitar but player. But our DJ, our engineer DJ roommate, <laughs> tried tried to give us a lesson that one time about how how amazing uh, mixing songs together were, especially when they're both when you're trying to mix one song that's in four four time to another song that's in four four time. Oh, I thought he, what he said was like, see, the the incredible thing is like most songs they're in like four. It goes like one two three <laughs> four one two. <laughs> shit <laughs> like, feel like a scene mind. from one of those films that's like about a musician but they real but someone in the, someone at the studio goes we need to explain music to the audience yeah, yeah right it was, and it was it was quite uh humorous i would say you're currently working on this solar mission well so the people that i work with are working on the solar mission i'm tertiarily involved in that my main gig is the the europa, europa. mission that we talked about so you know there's there's multiple things always going on right you know for instance, New Horizons and Messenger, those, you know, we were flying both of them at the same time. You know, there's a lot of solar system to explore. If you do everything sequentially, it's going to yeah. take forever. So you're doing, you're always, you know, walking and chewing gum at the same time. Right, right, right. So, you know, you have lots of different teams of people and you try to share those teams to be cost effective when you're working on things. And also you presumably know. to share the information that you're learning. Oh, you always want to do that. I mean, that, that's, that's what we talked about with that Europa lander, right? There's, that lander mission that's currently in development with people that are right down the hall from the people working on the Clipper mission, which mm-hmm. is mine. So, you know, there's constantly an exchange of information. And you know. using information from the Mars lander as well? And- um, they're, they're taking design concepts from how the latest Mars lander landed to try to use those, those techniques that they developed for that. A, a remar- remarkable set of engineering to make, to actually land on a planetary body. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, so, the, the folks over at JPL have had a lot of practice with that with their mars landing and we've we're leveraging a lot of that for the the design of the europa lander for when that when it eventually gets green lighted to go is that something we were talking with 
when Farah Alibi was on, we were talking about Europa, weren't we? I I can forget episodes so quickly that we've done, but I thought we talked about Europa. And I thought I, maybe she we, was... I know we've talked about Europa on the show, and it may well have been that episode because yeah. it seems like the kind of thing she would have talked about. But I wonder if she might be working on who, who the is actual this lander. Uh, Farah Alabe, another JPL. Okay, I don't know her personally. Person we've had on in the past. I got to go back and listen to our own episode, but um, yeah, Europa did come up. I think maybe just because it was her favorite uh, extraterrestrial body. Europa's pretty cool. Yeah. Seems, you know, seems if it, in fact it, the um, you ever see the movie two thousand one. Of course. I, I've slept through it like a couple times. I've never seen the whole Likewise. thing, you know. Have but, you seen Alien Covenant? No, I haven't no, seen that. It's awful. It's, it's awful. Yeah, same thing. Well, I mean, two thousand one. No, it's, that's it's, a classic, and this is. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know opera. Like I don't I don't like opera, but there must be something good about right, opera right, because yeah, it's yeah. been existing for centuries, and yeah. somebody must like it. I'm just not able to understand it. So. Likewise, 2001. It's got to be something good yeah, about the movie. Yeah, it's important. It's important. You're right. Yeah. But um, so the, in the, I think it's the final scene or something like that, there's like uh, some text that comes from the computer saying that we're, humans are allowed to explore explore anything that you want to explore in the solar system, but don't touch Europa. That was in the That's movie. In, really? It's oh, in the, you check, check it out. It is, it, it, it's, uh, I think it, no, no craft shall land on Europa or something like that. So mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick was thinking about something. Maybe he was thinking about planetary protection. You know, he wanted to apply yeah, for that yeah. planetary protection job, perhaps. I wouldn't have thought he would care. I mean, you know, he'd, what with the I, whole I, faked moon landing that he shot. And, uh, on the yeah, I don't stage. know. I don't know. But it was, it, was a, it was a tantalizing thing from that movie that I've never fully seen end to end. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny that that's There's something going on there. what, what we're doing. So we'll... We'll be seeing that, you know, awesome. next decade, maybe we'll get some information back from all these missions and, you know, have a very exciting, probably science. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Show. We're going to scoop everybody. Yeah. yeah so that'll, this... totally, that'll totally scoop everything. Are you allowed to, like, keep everything secret until you're back on our podcast? Just not like really exciting. Yeah. I'd say if, 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 if in the far future, you know, we actually do discover actual life, not just like habili- uh, habitability for life, you know, it's. Yeah. That that won't be able to be contained. Of you know, course, that'll be of that'll be. Is there a special NASA well, bottle we of champagne friends. that they save for that occasion? As like, like a, in case of extraterrestrial life break. In, in, ca- in case like, of finding life, the yeah, most they, expensive they, wine of all time. Yeah, we, if not, we should start putting something on ice right now. Yeah, really, you know, really. Yeah, what's good. what's your dream? I mean, if you, I guess, how would you even know what the next projects will be? But like, what kind of projects do you hope to work on in the future? Well, there's there's a whole slew of interesting things going on. There's um. There, there, we were talking a little bit about Cassini ending its mission. One, one of the things that Cassini found, which was really enticing, is uh, one of the Sat- Saturn's moons, Enceladus, is likewise an icy moon. So it's it's a layer of ice with water underneath. And what's going on in Enceladus is that there's actually plumes. There's there's little cracks in the ice that water is actually shooting out. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that we can actually sample that water from from space. So that would be a fantastic mission. Nice. Um, Venus is getting big again. Um, there's there's talk about landing on on Venus or doing some more understanding of Venus. There's, things have landed on Venus, but they burn up within they, like twenty minutes or something. Right? Exactly. I think I think the the record there is maybe twenty minutes or so because it's just it's got a corrosive atmosphere and it's it's ridiculously hot. So spacecraft landing craft don't last very long. So yeah. that, that's another potential target that's out there. There's um, the asteroids. There's all sorts of asteroid missions going on. NASA just awarded two of them a couple of years or last year or something like that for um, learning more about those primitive parts of our solar system. So, you know, the solar system is a big place. You yeah. Know, you, you got you got like the the favorites like Mars, which is going to go on forever, and then you got all these other awesome places. And now you also have what was that MU 
2014 MU69. That, that's going to be the big one in, well, small, big, big, small one in, mm. in uh, one and a half years. So that, that'll be. Well, that's about the same January time that the first pass on the Parker Pro will be happening, right? Oh no! You said January first of twenty nineteen. That's that's about that's about right. They're going to be kind of on top of each other. It's going to be an exciting yeah. time for for yeah. It's going to be busy. It's going to be busy. Awesome. All planet you fans. Know, that's right. That's right. Plus, at that point in time, you know the Europa Clipper mission is going to be starting to actually have real flight hardware in development at that time. So that's good. There's a lot of stuff in the pipeline. It's going to be a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stu- a lot of good podcasts yeah. in the in the fingers, future waiting for you. Fingers crossed for no nuclear war with North Korea before then. And, uh, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> so we'll be where okay. can our listeners go to find out more about everything you're doing? Well, and you personally. <laughs> Me personally, you asked me this before. I don't. I, I don't. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. A, I don't have I don't, a very low work profile. I don't have like a Twitter account, or I don't. I don't do that. I should. I totally should. I got. I'm allowed. I mean, of course you're allowed to. Yeah, like, yeah plenty. Yeah, I, no, can no, get plenty I, I can get plenty of people. Yeah, I, I, I can do that if I want, of course. But get on Snapchat. I, I, I said, you know, no, you, you know what it is? It's the minivan. You know, back when I had that Mini Cooper, you know, you, even though we we had two kids, we still kept the Mini Cooper, and I, I was like hip. Then the third kid came along, and you know, Mini Coopers are only two seaters in the back, so we had. With the third kid, that just doesn't add up. So I had to trade it in for a minivan, and I think that's just psychologically you just know it's the at, end. At, of- at that point in time, you know, I'm 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 in full dad mode all the time, and I'm just not hip enough to have a Twitter account. I gotta, <laughs> but but now that I say it that way, that sounds too lame. There's dad Twitter. Something. Yeah, I, I, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta fix that. Don't worry, I, Twitter I is so uncool right now. <laughs> is, 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 is that already out? Yeah, if, I mean, if, I, if I if I I'm already past the time. If you okay. Ask any teenager, Twitter or Instagram, like nobody's gonna say Twitter. Really. Right? So Instagram is a thing now. Yeah, we've discussed this on the show as well. How I, I I'm so much more of a fan of Twitter. Yeah, it's better. Because I like writers, I don't like but, taking uh, pictures and I like writing jokes. And yeah. yeah, so Twitter would be more. I, I'm I guess I'm a Facebook guy. Is that like ancient history now? Is that like you know um, dial up modem level? I'm trying to think. No, of what, Facebook still it? seems to be surviving. Like Facebook. Okay. Facebook does the thing of taking every other social network's technology and absorbing. So it they somehow. just yeah. they stay. Facebook they stay. owns Instagram. And Instagram has just started doing what's effectively the same as Snapchat. Okay. And it's working. Right. Like I, I think starting from, to, from teenagers' perspectives, Facebook is only for getting like, actual news, is what I've heard people say. So that, that, that's, that's the news source for that. That's yeah, but they wouldn't source. use it for like, communication with friends and stuff. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's too... Snapchat and Instagram. And, that, that's too, like, only done by minivan drivers, I guess. Yes. So, okay. Um, I see where I stand. So, but APL, I presume, has a fairly hefty web presence. Yes, we do. We have. We, if you if you go ahead and you can Google Europa, with, that'll link to a JPL page. Actually, that that main site is hosted at JPL. Um, Solar Probe, you, uh, I believe it's Solar Probe. Uh, but you can just we'll link you, to you, it. I'll, you, I'll you Google Solar Probe, you'll see that. Google New Horizons Pluto. There'll be a whole bunch of stuff there. So it's it's a as Andy and, and Matt said, it's going to be an exciting exciting yeah. near future for a lot of us here and so. we'll link to because uh, i haven't looked up a lot of the other pictures of pluto that came about after the initial ones that came so uh, we'll link to mm-hmm. that over on probably science.com if you guys want to check those out because i want to so yeah. yeah you'll actually see if you if you remember like so pluto we actually there, there's a heart on pluto oh yeah you yeah. know it's kind of kind of cute you know it's like jupiter has a red spot you know now we know that pluto has its geological feature to, mm. to set it apart. That is know? awesome. We'll put those all up on the Squarespace Powered ProbablyScience.com uh, website. You, you can also find us online at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, we're on location, so we didn't get a chance to thank 
the donors, but there's been some donations that have come through. We'll thank you next week. Yeah, we will. But we appreciate all of that. You can find that link at probablyscience.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank Thanks you for, for having that. me. This is, this, is, this is always a lot of fun talking to you guys. Deepak Srinivasan, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.